Hi everyone, I'm David Green. Happy New Year and welcome to 2020 and a new decade. Employee experience is pretty much the biggest topic in HR and it is set to get even bigger in 2020. So to kick off the Digital HR Leaders podcast this year, we thought we'd start with a special episode on how to scale employee experience. Our guest, Volker Jacobs, is the co-founder and CEO of TI People, and he is one of the world's leading authorities on employee experience, having worked in this space for three and a half years, during which time TI People have worked with several global companies to develop, implement, and scale EX programs. TI People recently published a study on the state of employee experience, which combines the results of a survey of CEOs and CHROs practical guidance on how to build scalable EX programs for organizations. In our conversation, Volker and I discuss why employee experience is growing in importance, who owns it, and why a change in manager mindset is required to implement EX properly. We talk about how to measure EX as well as how to manage and scale it in large organizations. We also talk about how to move from strategy to execution by integrating initiatives in areas like employee listening, journey mapping, and digital technology. And as with all our guests, we look into the crystal ball and ponder what the role of HR will be in 2025. This episode is a must listen for CHROs, employee experience and people analytics leaders, and anyone interested in how employee experience can drive value for business leaders, the workforce, and help reshape HR for the new decade. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Volker Jacobs, uh, CEO and co-founder of TI People to the Digital HR Leaders podcast series. Welcome to the show, Volker. Thank you, David. I'm honored to be here. Can you provide listeners with a quick introduction to your background and what you're building at TI People? Yeah, very good. TI People, you can think of as, a, as an experience company. So we are here to, to help provide better experience for people at work. And we believe that people deserve better experiences at work, but at the same time, we know that companies that provide them are more successful. So we provide to companies three things. Number one, we bring the data that it takes to manage good experiences. We have deep-rooted HR expertise that it also takes to design and deliver experiences. And then number three, we help with human-centered design of better experiences. Over the, the years you've been building the business and, and prior to that, you've widely acknowledged as one of the leading authorities now, I think, on, on employee experience. And I would say that employee experience is probably the biggest topic within, within HR at the moment. How should an organization think about getting started with employee experience and how is it different from engagement? Because yeah. I think there's still some confusion. Yeah, very good, there. very good. Uh, thank you for the question. Of course, engagement and experience are linked. So when we ask CHROs about how they would describe the link, it is engagement is the result where experience is the cause. What that means is that we have measured experiences, we have measured engagement for many, many years. We have sophisticated models in place to describe how engagement defined as discretionary effort and a high intensity with a company how that drives productivity, yep. yet we have not done a very good job at closing that feedback loop. So we can measure it, but it's hard to drive action, especially to drive action timely, so fast. And that is where um, employee experience comes in. It's, it's directly linked to the moment where the experience happens that drives engagement. And, what, and as we are now focusing, it, uh, we are focusing on that moment as such, 
we can drive more action faster. And that's how the two are linked together. And um, yes, it is indeed a, a key theme for the year. Uh, and, and also, um, you can almost not go to any HR conference these days without having 10 or 15 people talk at you uh, about experience. And, and the thing, though, is it's a blurry term at the moment. It's uncharted territory for many, and it is leading to lots of misconceptions about it. Yeah. So, so that is probably the biggest thing that, that we have to find uh, a playbook for employee experience that works for large organizations, that especially works at scale for these organizations. And that's probably the biggest task that we are, that we are, we are tasked with at the moment. So I suppose in many respects, there's similarities with, with marketing, because obviously they've been driving and measuring the customer experience for years. Yes. So there's, there's plenty we can learn from our, our friends in marketing. Yes, indeed. I mean, I, I agree. They are 15 years ahead. And, uh, and, and marketing, new marketing, is all about uh, customer centricity. And uh, there's one, with one caveat, there's one difference. Um, in marketing, we are really trying to understand 360 um, what the future buying behavior of an individual is. Yeah. In employee experience, it's not so much about that. So we not, we're not there to, to describe or understand in full what the future work behavior of employees is. What, what we want to understand is where the experience breaks. So we are not providing um, a great impact on engagement or a great effortlessness of uh, the work. And that's, that's, the, that's the difference between the two. But other than that, of course, many EX teams that we, st that we see evolve, they are staffed partly by CX, customer experience people. Okay, which makes sense, I guess. A bit like with analytics, where a lot of people in people analytics roles have worked in other analytics roles within the organization. Exactly, exactly. And so who owns employee experience? Because I think, you know, if I think about as an employee in, in, in days of yore, you know, some of the experiences I, I received weren't delivered by HR, um, but it seems that HR is is getting the responsibility. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. Thank you for that. So. So what we know is that, that if you ask CEOs whom they would give the theme employee experience to, nine, of, not nine out of 10 are answering, it goes to HR. So the theme is landing on the desk of the CHRO. We've built a model for employee experience. It is comprised of 285 touch points between an individual and the organization he or she works for. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's interesting. Of those 285, 60% are massively influenceable by the HR function. So it seems like, yeah, it's HR. Yeah. Yet, if you look into the more impactful of those 285, we have identified 36 that have a disproportionate impact on engagement and on effortlessness. If you look at these 36 of the 23 Moments of truth driving the engagement, 22 are owned by line managers. Yeah. And only one is owned by HR. So, in short, although at first sight it may seem that HR has a strong influence on the experience as such, for the very important moments where experiences happen, HR does not have a direct impact. So, it's clearly owned by the business the theme of employee experience, which makes HR the facilitator yeah. of a model that drives it. 
the conductor of the orchestra, perhaps. Yeah, and at, best, great, at best, at best, I'd say. And a great opportunity, I guess, for HR to really help it increase its impact both to the business and to the to the yeah, workforce as well. Exactly. So, I mean, I mean, we've 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 tried to become business partners at eye level in HR for many many years now, and and this actually is the real opportunity to become a real business partner because, as I said, the most important experiences are delivered by the business and the direct managers of people. So with that as, as an ambition and a KPI for HR, we are forced to help these managers provide better experiences, which is the business impact that we can provide. Well, there's, there's more about those touch points in the State of Employee Experience Report, which you've just just published, you know, and I, I'm going to ask you for the, the key findings of the report, but it, it combines a survey, I think survey of CEOs, CHROs, people actually doing the work, and um, sort of the summary of some of your findings that, that you've had over the last two or three years of, of since you set up CI People. So it's it's almost a playbook for an employee experience and a, a how-to guide, I think, for organizations, which I think makes it so valuable. But what were the key findings of, mm-hmm. of the report? Yeah, I think the, the report... There are four really prescriptive findings, so what to do yeah. findings, and, and there's, there's maybe one conclusion that we can also find in the data that, that, uh, that we um, put together. Um, finding number one is EX is a, is a CEO topic. So that's, a, that's interesting. 75% of CEOs of global 2000 companies are telling us that they agree employee experience should be a company priority. They are looking at it a little bit like the quote that we are using from Richard Branson, who says, customers do not come first, employees come first. If you take care of your employees, they'll take care of your customers. So that's a little bit the CEO thinking, but it goes far beyond a catchy quote. Uh, What's underneath it is a shift, a fundamental shift of the priorities of CEOs. In the past, Large company CEOs have been focused a lot at total shareholder return. That yep. was the, the major KPI and, and, and focus point. Now we are moving towards a world where almost total shareholder return is only one out of five priorities. It's customers, it's employees, it's suppliers, it's the communities that companies operate in and the shareholders. So relatively, um, employees be- become much more important in the CEO's view. And that's why three out of four CEOs are saying this is a company priority. So that's finding number one. Finding number two is about the very tangible part of the business value. Um, employee experience provides two kinds of business value. The first one is super tangible and almost accepted by the CFO, which is employee experience managed well will provide a more effortless experience to people at work. And through that effortlessness, we are giving time back to managers and to employees. And our research finds that we can give back 100 hours per individual per year, which for a 20,000 people organization that that operates um, in OECD countries, that is more than 70 million US dollar savings per year through this path, number one, the effortlessness. It's two and a half weeks, basically, isn't it? Yeah. Like a 40 hour week as well. So. Yeah, so it's, it's really it's really a lot of time. So, so that's, that's um, 
that's one thing. The, the finding number three is looking into the other avenue of business value. That's the uh, how how experiences drive engagement. So um, the total um, business value of VX, fifty five percent of that is through higher engagement. Yeah. So employee experience drives the sense of belonging and the meaning of work. That drives engagement and that drives discretionary effort and intent to stay with the company and through that business value. That makes another 80 million um, of savings potential for a 20,000 people organization. That's finding number three. And, and finding number four is how EX is set up in organizations. And, and on average, our 20,000 companies, uh, 20,000 people company, they would set EX up with a central team of three people, they'll define a head of EX, and that head of EX would report either directly to the CHRO or to a direct report of the CHRO. So that's the level and the size of the average team, how to get started with, uh, with uh, employee experience management. And the average annual budget increase for these teams is, is 13%. So that's that's a little bit how you can look at the delivery part of employee experience. And then, and then there's one the fifth interesting thing that led us to, to uh, the title of the research. So the, the title is three, two, one on the launch pad. Um, we, we found that, as I, as I mentioned, 75% of CEOs think it should be a company priority. They put it on the desk of the CHRO this year, 2019, 55% of CHROs have made it a stated priority. So it's written somewhere in the people's strategy or in the, in the, the annual roadmap of HR. It's yeah. written somewhere that EEX is a priority for them. Yet only 14% can show us their roadmap. Yeah. So only 14% have dedicated milestones, responsibilities, and budget uh, attached or underpinning that priority. In 2019, there's clearly a strategy to execution gap that we see and that we believe will be closed in 2020. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, obviously I spend quite a lot of time with, with big companies and speaking to their people analytics leaders and some of their, their HR leadership team. And I definitely sense that. It's definitely on the strategy. People are trying to almost design what their approach to EX should mm -hmm. be, but the number of organizations who can actually as you said, demonstrate that they're executing on it is, is still relatively low. But I suspect well, that will be very different if you do that research again next year. So yeah, um, very interesting. And what are the, you know, and I think that's obviously some of the key learnings coming from the research, but I think what I really like about the report as well, you, you basically put some of the key learnings that, that you found about employee experience that you've uncovered in the three and a half year journey of TI people. Um, which companies are doing it well? And, and what are the key learnings that you've found other, outside um, the main findings of the report? Yeah, very good. So uh, just, just to give you some background, the last three years in TI People have been mainly about co-creation. So in the, in the employee experience arena, we've identified, we've identified common problems. And, and so we've defined problem statements, and then we've put together co-creation groups across 10 to 20 companies each, and have tried in co-creation to design solutions for these problems. And, and if you put the three years into buckets, I'd say year number one was all about framework. 
Yeah. So we needed to understand what's the employee journey, what's a moment, what's a touch point, what does a good touch point experience look like, um, what are personas, employee personas, how many do you need? So all that, defining the framework, a language, that is year number one, co-creation. Co-creation year number two was all about measurement. How can I measure experience? Yeah. What's the KPI for it's it? A silver bullet. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's from, from an analytics perspective, it's a silver bullet. It's, it's part of the equation, I'd say. Uh, so year number two was, how do I measure? What do I measure? What's the KPI? Where do I, so, so what's the, the technique of measurement? And, and how far can we go? What can we explain what's not? So that, that's, that's year number two. And now year number three, I think it's all about delivering experiences at scale. So the scale part is what's bugging companies these days. They have their framework, they know how to listen to employee experience in some shape or form, but it's really hard to design and deliver at scale in these large organizations. So, so that is probably the, the, the journey of learnings and experiences that we as a company have had in co-creation with our client companies, um, how the, the I'd say the arena has changed over the last three years. And uh, yeah, of course, companies that are doing it well, I mean, I mean there, are, there are some that have really done a good job in laying a foundation and building their frameworks within yeah. the framework now. They are probably, most of them are in the, in the stage of, of experimenting and, and running pilot projects. Um, just to, to, to point to a couple of them, I'd say Bosch, for example, in the technology and engineering space, 380,000 people across the world. They have done a pretty good job in, in, in building an experience infrastructure throughout the company, not only for employee experience, but also customer experience. So the experience infrastructure is there. Yeah. And then they've built uh, together with us an employee experience framework. And within that framework, they've now defined their roadmap and now executing on it. So that's a very good example, I'd say, for a very large organization that now goes from foundation to scale uh, in a, I'd say, in a robust roadmap. And then um, just, we are working in the US with a, a very large uh, health insurance provider. The, I think the way they have set this up is, is very compelling. So they have really from the CEO down Define the mandate and define the operating model uh, by which to scale employee experience up. I think that's it's also an, an, an interesting way a large organization could could go about it. And also in the blue collar space, we've found smart ways of of companies like Alex Lee who have um, created better experiences, for example, for their warehouse workers, and and through that have proven productivity impact. Yeah. Um, which so that's three examples of of what I see what companies are doing. So Volker, with with the work we're doing at Insight Two Two Two, I'm seeing an increasing number of people analytics teams getting involved in EX. Um, and in fact, some of them are even having the responsibility for for, for EX as well. You know, what do you believe the role of analytics is in employee experience? Yeah, very good. I mean, I, I'm, I get questions like these every every. I bet you do every week. <laughs> I think so. The, I, I'm looking at at analytics and employee experience as siblings almost. So I'd, I'd say analytics is the firstborn. It's, it's probably five years older than, than EX. And, uh, and with that, the older brother or sister can, can offer um, ways to 
listen to experiences, to measure them, uh, ways to use advanced ways of, of pulse checks and, and digital listening and natural language processing to actually bring the data that describe what the experience is that is created in the moment, in the moment when it happens. Yep. So in the moment measurement of experiences is the big value that people analysts can bring to the EX space. Uh, and the younger brother or sister, EX, can give back by helping analytics teams to actually close the feedback loop. I was referring to it earlier. We have in the engagement space measured a lot, but little action was, was driven by it. Uh, with EX and the new focus on moments where good or bad experience is created, we have the big opportunity to act on the data that we collect. And that is what EX can give back, back to analytics. And that's how I think uh, these the siblings can live together very well. And the app part is, of course, the most important part because you can have the most sophisticated analytics, the most sophisticated program, but you don't do anything with the insights. Indeed. I mean, we in, in, in Satitude 2, we're talking a lot about influential skills of analytics leaders and so forth with employee experience attached to that. That can be a really powerful force then. And where are, and this side question for that, because analytics increasingly is becoming a, a, a kind of vertical within in HR, I, I'd argue it should be a horizontal, but anyway, um, and probably the same applies to EX. Where are you seeing it being positioned by organizations? In uh, Is it reporting directly to the CHRO or is it somewhere else? Yeah, so, so nine out of 10 will have EX report into HR. Uh, and um, it's in a in a global 2000 company. It's either a di direct report to the CHRO or it's a report of a direct report of the CHRO. So it's 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 C minus one or C minus two yep. level wise. And probably similar to how I believe with people analytics, you believe that 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 should go up to be reporting directly to the CHRO at some point because. Then you get the airtime, the investment, yeah, exactly. and the, the visibility. It's true, but 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 let's be realistic. We have to earn our right. Yes. To to, to be a direct report of the CHRO, and and as I, as I as I said, it's probably a journey that we're on. So we we have to build our foundations. We have to have a proof project in place so we can prove the business value that we're providing. And then I think we have a, a very strong argument for being direct report and having lots of business impact through direct um, interactions with business. And you're helping a lot of organizations have more impact with their EX programs. Mm -hmm. um, you work with a lot over the last three, three and a half years. Can you share a couple of case studies with our listeners of, of A, the type of work you do, but also how an organization can, can kind of move through that process that you described earlier and get to that, that deliverable stage? Yeah, let's, let's just take an oil company. So it's, a, it's an oil company, um, as a situation was, um, they had problems in a very tight talent market um, for uh, oil exploration engineers. There's a very tight market for it. Yeah. And um, so they wanted to create better candidate experiences. So they had a higher conversion rate between uh, applicants and, 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 and contracts. And, and um, wh what we did is we, we tried to identify problem spaces, tried to identify the moments where the actual candidate experience is created. Yep. 
Uh, and one of those moments is the first manager interview. That's a, that's a moment of truth. It has a disproportionate impact on the attraction of people. So um, we measured it in the moment. So we measured right after the uh, first manager interview, measured the experience that people had. And the company was really surprised by, by the results uh, because the experience was so good. It was extraordinary good. These people felt so honored to have a real expert um, in the interview that they could talk to because yeah. it's such a small field, right? It's such an expert field. They, they, there were comments that we collected um, verbatim and, and uh, there were comments like, I wish the interview was longer. So that was really cool. And, and, and what turned out to be the case is that this first manager interview was the one biggest driver of attraction for candidates in the field. In parallel, in parallel, the same company was about to change their recruitment process. So they wanted to bring in artificial intelligence and video interviewing to make the recruitment process faster yeah. because they thought that was a big driver of attraction and conversion rate in the recruitment. Now that they saw that this first manager interview was the biggest, the one biggest driver of attraction, they said, okay, we will change the recruitment process, but not for this talent Not that part. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's a surprising finding, but that's a, tip, a typical one. Whenever you ask people in the moment about the experience, not a month after or a quarter after, but in the moment, I have never had a company case where there were no surprises. That's actually a, a cool thing. Another Another case study, very different case study is we are working with uh, 12 international financial services companies. These 12 companies together are defining the EXI, Employee Experience Index, for the financial services industry. So why the hell would these companies do that together? It's, it's, they are all mandated by the CHRO yeah. and they are bringing the head of uh, people analytics and the head of EX into this co-creation group. And the aim of that is to create a board level KPI that is validated to show the actual experience and the impact it has on company performance. That's a high goal. Yeah. And yeah. These, these 12 companies together think that in co-creation, they will get there faster and with more validation power behind it. And that I think is a very good example for the for the business value part of employee experience. If 12 companies that compete on the market mm. together define a way to create or, or, or provide superior, uh, superior employee experience, that says something. That the aim of the, of the companies, I mean, financial services, they're all under huge digital transformation. There's a lot going on there. But, but for them to put their heads together and create this employee experience index, that means that they all feel that there is a gap between all the analytic sophistication that they've done in the past, all the many, many years of measuring engagement that they've done in the past, there is this missing bit. And that's the employee experience part that they're adding to it. And I guess as, a, as an industry as well, it's a shared interest that they're delivering collectively great employee experience because they're trying to attract talent to that industry. 
or trying to stop talent going away from that industry to others. Indeed. I mean, the, we have quotes from CHROs of, uh, of these companies. Uh, they are saying things like, the EXI for the industry has the potential to inform investment decisions and recommendations of analysts, mm. which is actually a real board-level KPI then, right? And, and others are saying, this EXI helps us to um, uh, retain talent in the industry because by reputation, that's hard at the moment, right? So that's, uh, that's a little bit uh, where the ambition is going. So it's quite, quite impressive. And I think it's a great example of something you said earlier. You were referring, I think, to the business roundtable announced by the CEOs of some of the largest organizations in the US. I think it's 180 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the cynic... The cynics would say, "Well, that's just—it's just—it's just, it, just nice sort of marketing to say that we're we're thinking beyond the shareholder. We're thinking about customers, employees. We're thinking about communities, etc., and suppliers." But actually, I think it's a being driven by society. So I don't think the CEOs have just come up with this. It's because people, their employees, their customers actually expect this. But it's also because investors, as well, they want more measures to look at organizations and right. whether they're going to invest in justice. And the EXI yeah. is a perfect example. Exactly. Exactly. So that's that that's exactly the thing. I mean, I'm pretty proud of it because because financial services, that's a numbers driven industry. They're pretty sophisticated in analytics. And if they want to use this employee experience index or employee experience as a tool to tell their investors how they are doing, that's actually cool. And I'm sure they won't be the last industry that, that comes together to do something like that. Obviously, the research report is, is subtitled from strategy to execution. And I take scale as that. How do you scale EX in a global yeah. organization? That, that almost feels like the EX question of the year 2020. Good. Um, it's, it's, uh, um, it, it's really the driving question for these large organizations. So, so in the past years, I think they've they've more focused on one out of three things that were like reasonable and typical to do. One was employee listening, so I've, I've learned to capture more feedback so I can provide better experiences. Number two, they've learned companies have learned to embed design thinking and journey mapping, so human-centered design yep. aspects into the, the work. Or number three, they've invested in new technology that has cool apps and, and better experiences through that. And what they now see is that these three avenues alone and in isolation won't get them to the business outcomes they, they were hoping for. So now they are thinking about how to bring the three together yeah. and manage it at scale. So it's not all about I'm designing experiences. It's actually about delivering them in these large organizations, multi-matrix um, organizations across the world. That is the big question. And, and the answer to the question is, in one sentence, think big, start small, and then iterate as you scale. For doing that, we've developed a five-step model, and, and probably that's that's the answer, the real answer to your question, what, what large organizations are doing. So step number one is create an experience baseline. Yeah. So measure the experience in the most important moments. Don't do that in a super sophisticated way, but in a simplified way, have your employee experience baseline created. That will help you identify problem spaces and will at the same time identify quick wins. Yep. So you can quickly produce and you know what the real problem spaces are 
that's a good thing. You can benchmark it. So it's if it's a standardized uh, if it's a standardized um, baseline, then you can benchmark it, create urgencies and and burning platform. That's step number one. Step number two is then out of that or from that baseline, you'd create your roadmap, your priorities. Because what's what's the most important part of for that is to align the organization, actually the entire company behind it. So you because have because of course it's not just HR that's responsible. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so in this road mapping, you can almost say it's a strategic intent plus strategic response thing. So in this strategic intent, you have to be very clear on the business value that you want to provide. In the roadmap, you have to be very clear on how do I do that? So yeah. what are the, my priorities, my my budgets, my responsibilities of it for the and the typical roadmap is, is 18 to 36 months for the next one and a half to, to three years. That's step number two. Step number three is then we strongly advise that the first three months of that roadmap is a proof project. So find the two, three, four, five moments that matter and find a business in which you can you can test it and prove yeah. the concept. And, and in this three months proof project, what we see companies do is they're actually, uh, they're doing two things. They're actually redesigning the experiences. So they're using human-centered design. They are involving line managers and employees and HR and other support functions and specialists to redesign the experience. And then to measure if the improvement is actually showing. That's the redesign part of the proof project. This, in parallel, it, another team would work on how does this work in our organization at scale? So how do we embed employee experience redesign and delivery in the flow of work? So what's the operating model almost of employee experience in this very company? How does it work? How does it relate to other things that we're doing? And, and who has to act uh, when? That's, that has to be conceptualized. And that's also happening in this first three months of that roadmap. Yeah. Uh, in, in the proof project. Uh, that was step number three, the, the, the proof project. Step number four then is build a platform that everyone can see the employee experience. The platform would provide access to what a good, what a good design of an experience looks like. Looks like. And, and what, I don't know, our teams in Brazil have done to improve the, I don't know, uh, informal career conversations of managers with yep. their direct teams. Uh, so, so share is one big aspect of the platform. The other aspect of it is measure. So you can see in dashboards how the experience in your team is doing compared to other teams in the organization. These two things are the big enablers for employee experience at scale. There's a single point of truth and there is data and dashboards that trigger action. So we can almost reverse the direction by which we manage employee experience. It's not driven from the top into the organization. It's a pull effect. A pull single effect. single so teams are for are example, for it. you could have, if you look at onboarding, for example, mm -hmm. so you could show a moment that matter could be uh, you sit down with your manager in your first week and you could show parts of the business where that's happening and the impact that's a positive impact that's having on experience. Exactly. And you could see other parts of the business where that isn't happening and, and the detrimental effect that it's, yeah, it's having. Exactly, that's one, that, that, so, so the logic would be, uh, I as a, a team manager somewhere in Kuala Lumpur would see 
that the onboarding experience in my team is not as good as the average onboarding experience. I can look into which of the four or five moments within onboarding that matter the most is where the experience breaks. Uh, I, and I can see in my employee experience platform what a good design of that manager interaction during onboarding uh, should look like. So that's, that's a little bit the way that the platform is helping um, to scale, scale it up. And then step number five is to add something onto the platform. A platform as such is not good enough in these large organizations. We need a partly, uh, a partly agile team to help with redesign and delivery of experiences. So this agile team has two or three people from the central EX team in it, but also has experts depending on the very question that we now have to redesign uh, to be drawn into this, uh, this agile team. So that's the five steps that bring organizations to scale. And that's, as I said, the 2020 number one thing to go after. Well, Volker, it's been, and I'd, I'd certainly recommend that people read the report. We'll mm -hmm. provide a link mm -hmm. um, in the commentary of this. It's the State of Employee Experience 2019. Three, two, one, from strategy to execution. Have I got the right title there? Yeah, <laughs> um, so this leads on to the, the question that we ask all our, all our guests on the show, um, or certainly today anyway. What do you think the role of the HR function will be in 2025? Yeah, that question clearly goes beyond employee experience, I'd say. I believe that the next transformation of the HR function will be driven by the employee experience. And I think that in 2025, the HR function as such will be more people-centric. It will be more agile and it will be smaller than today. Moreover, it will have a KPI by which it actually really proves the business value. That's the four things. So I'd say more people-centric. That means more driven by having people engaged and providing them what, with what they need to work productively in this organization. Human-centered design is, is a key tool for that. Yeah. When, I, when I say more agile, what I mean is, I believe that the future HR function will have 50% of its capacity pooled. And then centers of excellence and other specialist units will draw from that pool by project. Or business HR will draw from that pool by project. But we won't have many people in, as uh, HR generalists in, in local teams, and we won't have large uh, COEs. We won't see that anymore. So we'll have a pooled HR, and with that, a more agile HR, and, and lines between HR and the business will blur, because this agile team will not only consist of people from the HR pool, yeah. but also from other people, um, and, and by that, we will break the silos not only within HR, with that HR pool, but also between HR and the business. So that, that's, uh, that's the agile part. And when I say HR will be smaller, my prediction is that 2025 will see a 30% smaller HR team in large organizations. And that is mainly driven by technology because we can give more tasks into the hands of employees and managers where HR actually belongs. Um, and, yeah. and that's 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 my prediction. When I'm when I'm saying um, by 2025, HR will have a KPI in place that is a board level KPI that's recognized by all board members, 
as the business value that HR is adding to the organization, then I'm thinking about um, a KPI that encompasses the two things that I mentioned earlier, which is the, 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 um, the effortlessness that HR is bringing in to the way people do their work and the engagement that um, um, HR is helping to drive through uh, a better experience at moments that matter the most. Finally, how can people stay in touch with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, um, people can easily link in with me. So I think uh, find me on LinkedIn, that's, that's probably the easiest way. And, and I encourage everyone to, to download this employee experience research report that uh, you were kindly referring to uh, in, in, uh, today. So that um, is to be found under ti-people.com slash state-of-experience. Well remembered. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, that's probably the easiest way to stay in touch. Great. Well, Volker, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I, I suspect that EX will become an even more important topic um, as we go through 2020. Very well. good. Thank Looking you very much. To it. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this special episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. You can subscribe via your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. If you haven't already, do check out myhrfuture.com for the latest learning and news on the future of HR. And you can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter there too. That's all for this episode, but please make sure you tune in next week when we back of business as usual by kicking off series six by speaking to Stella Lupershaw on how HR can be a catalyst for change. So don't miss that one. See you next time.